An Instagram post gets an unexpected boost. A TikTok catches in the algorithm. Sometimes that's all it takes to launch someone into internet fame. But then what? This Blew Up is a new podcast documentary that reveals how social media stardom is made. It's a different kind of fame that's not always as glamorous as it looks. From Spotify and the Ringer Podcast Network, I'm Alyssa Bereznak. You can listen to This Blew Up on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the Ringer NBA show presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here, and you can bet on the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all in one page. Plus, start betting on the Explorer page and the Pulse and bet live same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gambling. Please visit theringer.com backslash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 years and older and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com backslash RG. This episode is brought to you by Sonic. Fuel up for game day and any day, really, at Sonic. For a limited time, you can get the new $1.99 Sonic Crispy Tender Wraps. And trust me, you don't want to miss out. A crispy chicken tender and bold flavors like hickory barbecue and cheesy Baja crisp lettuce and melty cheese that make the perfect bite so go get yourself some tlc some tender love and chicken and buy a dollar 99 sonic crispy chicken tender wrap today tax not included limited time only at participated sonic drive-ins Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to a holiday edition of the Ringer NBA podcast. I'm your co-host, Big Waz, a.k.a. Wazzy Lambrand. I'm joined by my brother, my partner, for real, like the Waynes, um, Michael DePod Pena. What's going on, brother? How you doing, man? Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas. New Year's coming up. Um, I know you probably got some amazing resolutions that you're going to actually stick to, <laughs> not immediately abandon the way I probably will. Uh, hope you had a good holiday, too. I did. There was, uh, you know, it was my my five-month-old's first Christmas, which was wonderful. Wow. He enjoyed it. And then wow. we watched 12 hours of NBA basketball together because I'm such a wonderful father. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I definitely wanted to get into a couple of news and notes coming out of the weekend. But yeah, for sure, wanted to recap a couple of the games because I think, you know, there were some pretty consequential games, especially the Celtics and Bucks game, which most people would regard as a preview of the two teams that are going to decide the Eastern Conference this year, if not the NBA championship outright the Celtics were able to pull this one out in pretty easy and dominant fashion 139 to 118 Jason Tatum dropped a cool 40 on 22 field goal attempts um he was incredible yesterday uh Jalen Brown also a great performance 29 points on 11 of 19 uh Giannis was was damn good um obviously Giannis can can play better but even on his down games, it's like, yeah, I dropped 27, you know, on 22 shots. 
Chris Middleton notably did not play, which I think is going to be important. He missed basically the entire conference semis last year mm -hmm. and didn't play today. And I think that was a, I mean, yesterday, excuse me. And I think that was a deciding factor. What were your main takeaways from this game, if any? Boston is very difficult to beat when they shoot damn near 50% from behind the three-point line and basically don't miss any shots in the restricted area against one of the best rim-protecting right. defenses in the NBA. Um, I mean, their offense was humming. They played, you know, after the lull that they had where, you know, they're historically great offense and then they're the worst offense in the league for like a five or... I don't even know how long the stretch was, but it was mm -hmm. not insignificant. Um, had a pretty good win against the Timberwolves a few days before Christmas and then just the floodgates opened from beyond the arc um, for them um, on Sunday. And I mean, Tatum, I mean, I wrote this in a winner. I wrote a winners and losers column on the ringer.com and Tatum. I mean, he was, I think the presumptive favorite to win. We're very early in the season, but he was a favorite to win MVP his first MVP. He was a serious contender. And, after a performance like this against Giannis, against Brooke Lopez, where they threw everything at him, mm -hmm. especially in the third quarter, he dropped 20 in the third quarter, was perfect from the free throw line and got buckets from the mid range. He hit pull ups over the dropping Lopez. They hunted Grayson Allen. He abused Grayson Allen, um, hit a dagger three right in Giannis's face, just eyed him, pulled up, docked it down. He had everything, and the bag was very deep. And so when Jason Tatum plays like that, he looks like, and I'm, I'm not going to say he's the best player alive, but he's like in the conversation on nights like, like that one. And so that really stood out to me. And, I mean, what's really a bummer about it is just like, I want to see Chris Middleton yep. play for the Milwaukee Bucks yeah. because they are inept offensively when he is not on the court. And Giannis is, you know, a tremendous basketball player, obviously. He was super inefficient um, yesterday. And a lot of that is because he just can't create anything from the perimeter. I think he took eight jump shots. And that's just like not going to, that's just not part of his game. No. He took more jump shots than he took layups or dunks, which is just like, that's just, if he's doing that, you have succeeded as a defense. And they need Chris Middleton's steady hand. They need him as a pick and roll playmaker. I thought like, Joe Ingles yes. was doing some stuff, which was yep. nice. And it's just, it'd be and cool to see cool this to team see him together. Back. Yeah, it's great to see Joe um, looking better than I thought he ever would after that uh, ACL injury. But I just want to see this team whole. I want to see how good their offense can be because right now they just look so far away from being the championship contender that a lot of people believe that they can. The offense just isn't, isn't clicking right now. Yeah, and of course, this game is an indicative of the levels that the Bucs can reach defensively when they are fully locked in and engaged. I think they're, they're, you know, at the top of the league as far as defensive talent and, you know, ability to stop teams yesterday, notwithstanding. But yeah, in the half court especially, and I've said this for years, you know, pretty much ever since Giannis got stonewalled against Kawhi and the the Toronto Raptors, the year that the Raptors won the championship, ultimately, Giannis isn't best served as a starter of possessions. Like, he's best at transition buckets, and he's best as a finisher. 
Somebody else should be initiating Bucks offense, and Giannis should be finishing those plays. It's not that there won't be opportunities for him to take certain guys off the dribble or bully guys into the back of um, underneath the basket. Like there, there's ways to optimize him on the ball too. But the, the Bucks should not be starting offense with Giannis dribbling 30 feet from the basket. That's just that, that's a recipe for inefficiency and ultimately disaster. So. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Middleton is so integral to them opening things up in the half court because not just that he's a more than capable playmaker. It's like you said, he can do stuff from the mid-range. He can pull up from three. He just opens things up. The defense has to honor him in a way um, that pretty much nobody else on the team possesses that level of respect. And mm -hmm. so, yeah, that was unfortunate. But I think these two teams went whole uh, are the, the class of the league, you know, um, and they're going to be there when it's all said and done. Uh, again, it was nice to see Tatum get back to playing like an MVP. Boston, it's funny, man. All these years, especially since Brad Stevens got there, you noticed, Mike, this was a defensive team. Their identity, when they had it rolling, is that they were squeezing people to dust mm -hmm. on defense with all their length and athleticism and execution, and now they they might as well be the seven seconds or less sons. Like these guys, <laughs> when they get it, when they when they look right, it's because they're humming on offense, which is you know it's been a slight adjustment for me because so many of the characters haven't changed when you think about Tatum, Brown, and Smart and Big Al. Um, but it's just it's just different. Like the the, the ecosystem um, under which these guys thrive is, is an offensive based one. And, and, and that's cool to see. I want to move on to the last game of the evening. And that's the Nuggets and Suns where, you know, ho-hum, sorry, Justin Verrier, the guy that looks like he's probably, you know, up there for MVP. Yo, kid, just 40, 15 and 15. Just, just another day at the office. Casual. Like, just casual. 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 <laughs> Dude, I, I tell people this all the time. Um, I really think in the clutch, the best offensive player in the NBA is Nikola Jokic. Um, and I say that because he can give it to you. If you need a three, he can get it. Usually, he can just get something at the rim. Like, how many players at the end of games in the half court can guarantee you a shot, a damn good one, within damn near seven feet of the basket, unless they send some crazy hard double, oh, yeah, and by the way, I'm the best passer in the league too. So you don't want to do that. Like, to me, like, when you're trying to guard this dude in the highest leverage possessions, I don't think there's anything scary. And, you know, they went to overtime. He had some clutch baskets. Of course, we can't um, overlook Aaron Gordon's ridiculous dunk. Uh, that was just... That was one of the plays of the season when you consider... Watch, you're, you're burying the lead, right? I thought we were going to start the pod with that dunk. That dunk was... It was crazy. <laughs> it was totally insane. It was, it was, it was crazy. I, I've seen it. I've literally seen it about 30 times by now. Um, And it, it just gets crazier and crazier every time I watch it, considering the circumstances. I think we kind of have an understanding of what the Nuggets do and who they are, and their defense is annoying me, but whatever. We still got 60-something-odd games. I know my math is wrong to figure this out, but... What do you think about the Suns right now? The Suns? Oh, yeah. okay. Um, I mean, Devin Booker obviously couldn't go. He went 
what he play like five minutes and then the yep. groin was acting up and that's just a bummer. I love watching Devin Booker play and he's having a tremendous season. Um, I mean, I just think they're kind of headed in, if they can't get healthy, they're headed in the wrong direction, unfortunately. And from Jay Crowder's trade demand to Cam Johnson's injury mm-hmm. to Devin Booker not being 100% healthy and he has this nagging groin hamstring injury to Chris Paul. You know, Chris Paul's have had moments where he looks like vintage Chris Paul and he had an opportunity late in that overtime to knock down one of his signature pull-ups. I thought it was going to drop and it didn't. But I don't I don't know like it's it's it seems to me like the window might be shut or mm. like I just don't I don't want to say there's like a 0% chance they can win the title this season, but with this current roster, as good as some of the um, auxiliary pieces, like Landry Shamit has hit like 25 threes in the last, I mean, since I started that sentence, he's just been mm-hmm. absolutely um, on fire and it hasn't really seemed to matter. They've had close losses, but bad losses. They had the loss against... Um, the Wizards at home. And it's like, I know who didn't play. I know it was on the second night of a back-to-back. But like a game like that where Monty Williams is going at it with DeAndre Ayton, Mikhail Bridges is going at it with DeAndre Ayton. I just, I, I wonder what moves will be made before the trade deadline with, with this team. I'm going to keep my eye on them. But right now, I just don't, I like can't conceive them winning a championship going through four playoff rounds. That just seems very difficult for how they're, how they're made up and how they play. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're supposed to be a win-now, championship-level kind of squad. But I, I don't know, for me personally, coming into the season, I just didn't like the vibes over there. Um, obviously, they ended up re- re-signing Aiton to a massive deal. But the road by which they got there... They had to. Was so, But yeah. it was so tortured and treacherous, right? And, and this is the team dynamics. You know, when you think about his relationship with guys like Paul, the coach, Booker, the comments that were made when their season ended last year, there's all of that going on. And that's before we even talk about the the, the lingering Sarver stuff that was hanging over the team before the season started. Yeah, you look up and down this roster, it's like, this is a stud roster, talent-wise. But all of the things, I think there's just something to be said about you know, just having the right mood in your building, right? Like, it's yes, having players Mm -hmm. is of the utmost importance, but when you just have a coach and a player who is this consequential, is this frayed, and it's leaking into the locker room, and then you compound that with all of these injuries, I just don't like Phoenix's situation right now, and it just feels like just a morass, you know, um, in... I don't even think they can trade Aiton. Um, they can't trade this dude for a year. They can't trade this dude till the offseason because of how the extension stuff works. So it's like, how do you even rejigger this thing on the fly without moving somebody like Aiton? You're not going to move D-Book or Chris Paul. I think it'd be insane to try to make this better by getting Mikel Bridges or Cam Johnson out of it. That's, that's a non-starter to me. So what do they even do, Mike, to make this look better? Because this just seems untenable. Maybe I'm crazy, but it, it, this doesn't feel right. So I think they can move Aiton at Janu- on January 15th. Oh, January I think he's 15th. eligible. 
But to your point, very difficult to move your franchise number one overall pick center who's on a max contract who may not ever make an all-star team. I mean, he's very talented. And, you know, when he's got the mid-range jumper going, he's incredibly difficult to guard. Too many fadeaways for a guy his size, Mike. (laughs) No, I mean, it's it's a fair point. Um, But as the centerpiece of an offense, I don't I just don't see it for him. And. Um, very young, but I just don't know what the market is. And then if you even want to tell me that there is a market, what are you getting back for Aiton that can keep you as a title contender? I don't I don't see that trade. So Jay Crowder is the piece. Jay Crowder and picks and other contracts that you have on your roster. And I don't know who are you getting back that is incredible that's going to really be the difference maker. And who's even a seller right now in the marketplace? That's another question. And, you know, we have a couple months here before the trade deadline and we'll see how it all shakes out but phoenix is super interesting in ways that i think their fan base should be uh concerned about and you're they're definitely not moving on from um booker and cp's trade value I don't, it's just like you're not trading chris paul and you're not trading mikhail bridges so i don't know i don't know what they do it's gonna be really interesting to see though and uh, right now, yeah, like I said earlier, they're just trending in the wrong direction on both sides of the ball, it feels like. Also, Aiton and, and Kyler Murray playing in the same exact city, um, considering the stuff you hear about them and what they like to do in their spare time, that irony will just continues to crack me the fuck up. Um, I'm sorry. Um, this episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, It's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes, you know, we're in Florida, we'll be in New York. We want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away. Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side by side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. This episode is brought to you by Nissan SUVs. It's good to stay up to date like I do with the NBA. You might catch me walking around the street. I'm listening to the Ringer NBA show, or I might be online looking at the ringer.com, looking at some power rankings from Howard Beck, or, you know, I might listen to old episodes of real ones. And that's why the 2024 Nissan Rogue has Google built right into its 12.3 inch touchscreen infotainment system. With Google Maps Assistant, you can stay up to date on everything that's ahead without even needing to connect your phone. Find your next adventure with the Nissan SUV. Learn more about the Nissan Rogue, Pathfinder, and Armada at NissanUSA.com. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash RingerMBA. Just go to Indeed.com slash RingerMBA right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Moving on um, to, to what was to me the third most intriguing game of the day was the Sixers versus the Knicks, right? Uh the Knicks were on an eight-game winning streak. They had it snapped at, at the buzzer by DeMar DeRozan the game before this. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the Sixers, have, after having beaten the Knicks, have righted the ship. Um, and 
have won their eighth straight. I thought Harden yesterday is basically this is the this is the top of what you can expect from James Harden these days. If he's getting to the line 11 times and he's playmaking to the degree that he did yesterday with 13 assists, this is this is the peak of it, right? Like this is Harden operating at his very best. They still don't have Maxi back, but I thought Embiid was pretty freaking dominant yesterday. Um and they got a great win. And I think Christmas Day being what a lot of people call the unofficial quote unquote start of the NBA season. It's a benchmark. It's a benchmark, right? And I think the Sixers, they started off really shaky and it looked whoa. But out of nowhere, man, these guys are 20 and 12. Um they're right there at the top of the East. Some people come, I'm not one of those people, but some people coming into the season felt like their offseason put them in a position to be on a on a playing field with the, the top teams in the league. Mm-hmm. Um I don't know. Like I'm I'm still not convinced of the Sixers. I just hate the personalities involved. I I refuse to believe that the disdain that clearly existed for Doc. Last season has just completely dissipated magically. I, I I have no reason to believe that. But I'll be damned if they're not playing better. And, you know, shouts to Rob Mahoney. He said on group chat that Joel Embiid should be considered as an MVP candidate. God knows he's playing like one. They beat the Knicks pretty in a pretty nice win yesterday. Where are you at with the Sixers at this point in the season? They're good. They have the second best defense in the league. They have the fourth highest net rating in the league. Obviously, the stars are really clicking right now. Joel, yeah, he looks like an MVP candidate. He's totally unstoppable. Um, When engaged on defense, he looks like a defensive player of the year candidate as well. Um, Harden, this is like the best case scenario right now. Mm -hmm. This stretch of basketball that he's on. uh, 13 assists, 29 points. The step back threes are dropping. I think defensively, he's like, veering back into when clips of him would just go viral where it just like felt like he was glitching and a basketball game was happening around him, but he was not moving. That's what happened like 25 times in yesterday's game, but that's not the greatest concern, I suppose, um, for the Sixers at this point, just because of the other pieces who are around him on the defensive end to, to support him. Uh, you have Shake Milton's playing great. Melton's playing great. George Niang's hitting shots. So I, I, I think that they yesterday was a quality win against the Knicks, um, a Knicks team that was on um, not a win streak, but had just come off a win streak um, playing at MSG. I, you know, some of the, I think the Sixers are currently on an eight game win streak themselves and some of those wins, if not all of them, besides the next one, aren't, have not been super impressive. They're taking care of business, which is terrific. But I guess like at the end of the day, when you look at some of the, the, the pieces, the main characters on this roster, like I can't get too up or too down about the Philadelphia mm-hmm. 76ers until the playoffs begin. I want to see what Harden looks like. I want to see what Embiid looks like. I want to see them like really compete in a second round series and not fall on their face. Yeah. Uh, that's so I, it's like, I can't get too, too up or too down 
for them right now? I know that's not a sexy answer, but like they're playing great basketball right now. So you got to give it to them. All right. Yeah. I, I Look, I'm I'm on. I'm show me state with the Sixers. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this with Joel constantly disappointing me in the postseason. Mm-hmm. The Doc Rivers part of all of this just just bothers me. Harden's long, well-documented postseason shortcomings. Like, this guy's only older now. Um, Yeah. And then, you know, we did enough nuts and bolts, real basketball stuff, Mike. We got to get messy. Um, Of course, reports surfaced yesterday. uh, I think ESPN's Wojnarowski is the first to report this. James Harden who is on a two-year deal but has a player option. So, essentially, he'll be a free agent this summer. He's, quote-unquote, strongly considering a return to Houston in free agency, Mike. Um, Besides this being just juicy NBA gossip for 20 million reasons, but first and foremost of which being... Bro, you forced yourself out of there less than two years ago. I know all of the things that have happened. You're on your third team since that trade request. But so many things have happened around the Harden thing. It's it's felt like 10 years, closer to 10 years than two. But, man, I, I read that report, rumor, whatever you want to call it, and I just laughed to myself because I think it says everything you kind of need to know about James Harden as a basketball player. Like, his mindset about his profession and his job. All you need to know is that he wants to go back to the team that's tracking to be get the number one pick this year. They're awful. They're dog shit. And Harden's talking about, yeah, yeah, yeah I'm strongly considering going back there. Go ahead, Mike. Uh, just... I mean, the timing, I'll just start there. The timing is was just very, uh, very interesting to me. I didn't really understand why that report came out uh, right before a Christmas Day game when... Just one, one thing, I can say this about the timing, and I think mm-hmm. people who listen to the show are kind of smart enough to understand this. Newsflash, um, listeners, NBA free agency does not start at midnight. Okay, they don't Mm -hmm. midnight on July 1st, whenever the free agency starts, agents and GMs and presidents of basketball ops don't start negotiating these deals when free agency, quote unquote, opens. That's not what happens. Right. And so there's a dialogue happening throughout the year with other teams, with your own team. There is dialogue happening. I don't think we're breaking any news by saying that. I know the league allegedly has tampering rules. We know, but we're adults here. We can acknowledge that there's a constant stream of dialogue happening. Go ahead, Mike. So that all said, I I do believe that Harden... Um, first of all, I want to say I think it's a very fluid situation, which has been reported. A lot mm-hmm. can happen in the next mm-hmm. however many months. That's how the NBA goes. I do think that if the Sixers lose in the first round, if the Sixers lose in the second round, I think he's probably going to leave. Like, that's just I, I don't think that there's a first of all, Harden is the master of the um, non-denial denial. So he's asked about the report in the locker room before the game. 
And his first words are, you didn't even say Merry Christmas to me, to the Philadelphia <laughs> Inquirer's Keith Pompey. And he just, he, I didn't hear about the report. I don't know what you're talking about. It's like, okay, but I'm telling you now what it is. So can you yeah. address it? He doesn't address it. Mm. We're playing great basketball now. That's what my focus is on. So I don't, he's he's just a, a the, the Tom Brady of the non-denial denial. I got to respect it. Respect yep. it. He's been doing it his entire career. So I do believe this report. I do believe he has interest in going back to the Houston Rockets. What is fascinating to me is um, the level of interest that the Rockets would have in this. It's, and it's like crazy. you said, they are terrible. They play a style of basketball that isn't really um, trying to win basketball games. Like they, if you watch the Rockets play, they just bum rush the offensive glass. They're number one in offensive rebounding rate. They are so bad in transition defense. It is like, I don't want to say like their strategy is designed, perfectly designed to tank, but it kind of is. And they have a chance as well as any other team by the, at the end of the day to get Victor Wembanyama um, in the lottery. They have all these picks from the Brooklyn Nets. They have enough cap space to sign Harden, to sign whoever they really want. They have a max slot this summer. So, it's just, it's really interesting to me. Like, would they, if Harden has communicated to them that he wants to go back, would they sign Harden, take some of their picks, some of their contracts, and go get another all-star? And hopefully, maybe you keep a Jabari Smith Jr. and you have Harden and you have whoever this, the pick is that you have already, that you're getting in this year's draft. And you trade for Cat, or you trade for Pascal Siakam, or you trade for any other star who's going to spring free or want out, Jimmy Butler, any star who is just in a situation that is tempestuous that could um, erupt over the next few months. I, like, I could see that happening. It's not inconceivable. Um, but I just don't know if that's like the smartest route it's, for... It would be the dumbest the thing. It'd be the dumbest <laughs> thing they could possibly... Like, bringing James Harden back with Kevin Porter, with Jalen Green as the two guys that they have pegged allegedly as the future of their backcourt makes absolutely zero sense. Those guys would not be on the team. Both of them, at least, would not be on the it, team. It, just, it, it, it can't happen. That's a one. Two... You know, if this was 2016 where, yeah, James Harden and basically anybody is a playoff team, uh, you you give him any level of professional basketball rate level of shooting, you know, 34% threes, you put three or four of those guys around him, guys who want to guard people, that's going to the playoffs, right? Um, James Harden's that good in 2016. 2022, 2023, that is not the case. James Harden does not make you good. In and of himself, he just doesn't. He's not that kind of player anymore. I think it's been borne out the last two postseasons. He's not that guy. Um, he, it's just not. So I don't even see what the point of this. He's not going to make you good. He's going to cramp the style of your young perimeter guys. W what is the point of doing this if you're Houston? Now, can I play, de can I play devil's advocate for a second? So let's say they get Victor Wimanyama. Would you want a sturdy veteran uh elite pick and roll playmaker to be on your team like James Harden with Victor in the first few years of his career or would you want Victor to just plop into this like I said it's just it's not even really a functioning basketball team with Jalen Green and Kevin Porter 
and it just being a total mess. Like, because I think, honestly, if you had Harden, Wembenyama, and this is so like pie in the sky, like it's mm-hmm. technically possible, but no, that's, just a that's lot the of point things. of this exercise. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah, so let's go with it. If you get if you get Wembenyama, Harden, and you trade for All Star X, any of the guys that I previously mentioned, that's a playoff team, is it not? I don't know if that team can ever win the title, and I, I shouldn't say ever because Victor Wembanyama just might be like the best player alive in two years. We don't know, but that's like a really interesting. I don't know. It's not a foundation. It's just a. It's a, a trio. It's a really interesting trio. I'll say that. What See, do you think about that? I I disagree. Um, and I think the the counterpoint that I would make is what Golden State has experienced trying to do that very thing with their young guys and. I think we all assume that Wembenyama is a much better player than James Wiseman, but I don't know why people think next year he's going to be ready to be a net positive NBA big man <laughs> on both ends of the floor. Like that's I don't know why we would expect that, right? So that's a one. I think the difficulty of doing this win now and development thing, I think it's foolhardy. I don't think teams should try it. That's a one. And two, I'm sorry, bro. If I draft Victor Wimbenyama, I don't need James Harden monopolizing all my damn possessions. I don't want that to be the first kind of NBA basketball that that dude learns how to play. Specifically on offenses, watching James Harden dribble mm-hmm. the goddamn air out of the basketball. I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't see the point of that. And I get it. Jalen Green and Kevin Porter Jr. already do that. Yeah. Um, but they're young. There's still a way for them to become different versions of themselves as hoopers. That's not going to happen with James Harden. He is who he is, and he's going to be that no matter what. And by the way, the point of him going back to Houston, which we can get to the why this is appealing to Harden now, the point of him going back to Houston, to my mind, is so that he could just be who he wants, do what he wants, have no expectations, have nobody hold him accountable. As the Gen Zers and Zoomers and some of my millennial cohorts would say, so that he could live a soft life, Mike. James Harden wants to live that soft life. He doesn't want pressure. He doesn't want expectation. He wants to be paid to show up and be whoever he wants to be and be left alone. And obviously, he's a goddamn deity in the city of Houston, um, in that community. And so that's all he wants to go back and do. He don't want to have the sort of burdens that come with playing in a market like Philadelphia and having that media and that fan base expecting competence on the highest level from you day in and day out. He clearly doesn't want that. And so, yeah, going back to Houston makes all the sense for that reason. Like, he could just go back and basically retire you know, it's like, you know, old folks from New York moving down to Florida. That's basically what he's doing. And then on the other side of this, this is just, this is great negotiation tactics by him and his representation um, against the, the Sixers. It's like, y'all know I got no problem going back to Houston and basically having no expectations. Play. Like, y'all know I'm that type of person. Um, y'all, y'all know I'll be good with just going back to Houston, making a ton of money and not having to lift a goddamn finger to do so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This makes all the sense for Harden. 
So leveraging, using that as leverage to get yeah. a max contract from Philly. Hey guys, I'm super lazy. Pay me yeah. now everything yeah. or I will leave and be super lazy in Houston. Yeah, no, that's a, <laughs> that's an interesting one. Um, look, I, I don't know. I, I He could just, I, I will say when he was in Brooklyn, he complained constantly about the weather. And I don't know if you saw his outfit <laughs> at MSG yesterday, but that man just like is not built for the cold. So it's just it could just be very, very simple uh, like that. I don't know. I have a lot of conspiracy theories about it, but it's going to be really interesting to see how this plays out. I I would just be really fascinated to see. One thing I'll say, keep your eye on. If the Houston Rockets keep Eric Gordon at the trade deadline, then something's mm. cooking. Something's mm. cooking if they keep Eric Gordon. I'll just say that right there. We'll end right there. I love it. You heard it here first. <laughs> Free agency has already started, guys. It is December 26th, uh, but that is our show for today. I want to give a big shout-out to Isaiah Blakely, my man Ben Cruz. Uh, they produce this thing. They kill it for us week in and week out. My man Michael Pina, man, taking a break from his family. This guy is dedicated to the craft. Taking, away, taking time away from his family during the holidays to provide a pod for you all. Shouts to you, Mike. Thank you for coming on today. Uh, and make sure you keep it locked with the ring of feet throughout the holiday. Uh, wish you guys all the best. Happy New Year. All that good stuff. We'll see you guys next time. Peace. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC slim fit trouser. But I am a joggers guy. I just... Once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com.